What's up? What's going on? It's Dregs One, San Francisco rap cat, graffiti artist, and welcome to the first episode, the pilot of the History of the Bay podcast. And with me right here, I got my brother, Skino. What's going on with y'all? This is one of the producers of the show, along with DEO, when we're live here at Official Business Studios. We got my man, King Said, MVP Productions, Behind the Lens. And also, special shout out to the executive producer, Whitney Chanel, behind the scenes, making things happen. And thank you for being here with me today, my brother. Of course, of course. Had to pull up, had to, you know, it's the pilot, man. So this is, we getting everything straight and ironed out right now, so. Yeah, iron out all the kinks, all the technical issues. Talk about it. You know, and uh, the reason that we're doing this is, in case you didn't know, the History of the Bay series I've been doing on Instagram and TikTok been blowing up. It's been doing really well. People have been asking me for a podcast, and I want to expand on the platform and give people a chance to connect with some of the artists that I've been talking about directly, mm-hmm. you know? And um, we've talked about this on other pieces of content, other segments, but it's been really cool just reaching different people and, you know, tapping into all these different people who are interested in graffiti, hip-hop, Bay Area culture overall. And uh, I think this is going to be a new way to reach even more people. Definitely, definitely. And I feel like it's very necessary um, just in this day and age of information. And I feel like you are the perfect person to give the history of the Bay. So I just want to give you your flowers before we even get going. No, thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been asking me how I started started off doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really as I, and we talked about it before as as a as a rapper, you need more nowadays than just your music mm-hmm. to get out there. You need some type of content. And for me, you know, I'm not going to do like a TikTok dance or some, you know, I'm I'm a graffiti cat and I'm yeah. a rap cat, so that's what I'm keeping it authentic. About. Yeah, exactly. So I gotta exactly. ask you, what was the first video that really had you feeling like you know this is something that I enjoy doing, or was it before the video where you felt like I just like giving information up? It took off from day one. Hmm. The first video I did was about the graffiti spot Psycho City in San Francisco, and uh, it was just something I was experimenting with. You know, I'm not the world's foremost expert on this stuff. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the information. But um, I, I just threw it up, mm-hmm. went to sleep. And when I woke up, my, my TikTok was going crazy. And my followers had just exploded, like, literally overnight. So I said, all right, do it again. Dope, dope. Yeah, so you got some uh, some questions from some viewers, some uh, supporters of yours. I don't want to call them fans. That may be disrespectful, but you have some supporters that submitted some questions, and I just want to ask you a couple of the questions that we have. Yes. Cool with that? Yeah, and while you load that up, also, this would be a good opportunity to shout out our first sponsor, Amoeba Music of San Francisco. talk about it. Shout out Amoeba. Salute. Thanks to Shona and the whole team down there for reaching out and tapping in. That is the perfect sponsor for this podcast because that's my favorite record store mm. that I grew up going to. They've been selling my music. My music is available there right now. Go get it. Can't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> and as well as a lot of the other artists that we're going to be discussing on the show. So salute. You see we out here representing. Thanks, Amoeba. For sure. For sure. Yeah. One of our first questions is from Frank. Shout out Frank from Pittsburgh. He says, I feel like the Bay doesn't get the credit it deserves in hip hop. Do you feel the same? A hundred percent. I think uh, most of us in the Bay Area feel that way. Um, I've thought about this a lot. And I think I'm a hip hop historian. I'm not just a Bay Area cat. I love Mm. hip hop in general. And you got to give it up to cats in the Bronx Mm. in New York City that helped start this. The thing about New York City is that it's not only the birthplace of hip hop, it's where a lot of these labels and entertainment companies and theater companies. It's where a lot of media comes from. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it makes sense that a lot of the spotlight from early on in hip-hop, it wasn't on the South. It wasn't on the West Coast at first. It was on New York and the East Coast. Eventually, the West Coast did take off as well, mostly L.A. artists. And the reason for that is the same, I would say. It's, um, that's where the labels are. Yeah. That's where the movies are made. That's where TV is made. Um, the thing is, is that there actually was a period in the early 90s 
when major labels were looking at the Bay Area. Hmm. You had E-40 on a major label. You had Too Short, Spice One, The Coup, uh, Souls of Mischief, Dell, Casual, all these guys from Hieroglyphics on major labels. Um, there's probably many more. I, I, I can't. The Loonies, hmm. Drew Down, all these guys signed major label deals. For one reason or another, uh, it seemed like that major label interest kind of trickled off. And I do think a big reason of that is regional, like just like I said, the fact that the labels are in LA. Hmm. But to to really go back to the question, I think. Um, it's 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 messed up that we don't get the credit because there's so many artists from the beginning, like literally too short in, in the early '80s. So many Bay Area artists that have impacted hip hop culture, mm-hmm. and to this day, um, there's so much talent that comes out of the Bay Area. You, you know, you've seen a lot of the stuff on Twitter, like people complaining. People from the Bay think that everything came from there. What well, we did, yeah, yeah. we did pioneer. Yeah. Not everything, but we pioneered the a vast majority. A lot of stuff, yeah. man. And it's not, and it's, it's so many different styles. Like I said, you got everybody from E-40 to Hyro to The Cool to so many different styles of music have come out of the Bay So many impactful rappers, producers, even people on the industry side. And I think... Um, like just now, in the last few years, you're starting to see the South mm-hmm. become one of these other major hubs. Mm-hmm. The South was disrespected for a long time too, and wasn't getting props. I feel like the Bay Area. There's a few cats that have broken out of the box, but in terms of understanding what we've really contributed to hip hop, I don't think the industry has done that yet. Mm. No, and I, and I like that answer. And correct me if I'm wrong. But to summarize, it's more so the infrastructure that we lack here in the Bay Area that kind of stagnates us a bit. I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's, you got to think, man, like if you're rapping in New York in the, early, in the late 80s, early 90s, you could take the train to Midtown and try to walk up in some of these big offices. Literally just open the door and say, you I got a meeting yeah. with whoever. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of cats did. They, they bogarted their way in, in the door like that. Hmm. If you're in L.A. in the early days rocking at some open mic, you never know. Some executive might just be there at the bar having a drink and hear you. Mm. It's not quite like that in the Bay, but we created our own infrastructure independently. Mm. And the thing about the Bay is not just one city. It's a whole, it's a huge region Mm -hmm. of all these different cities, all these different areas that we've been able to capitalize on independently. And and that's why we have our own thing going on here that's kind of like pure and uncut. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, as far as, you know, just the trajectory of the Bay Area and the music scene from like, let's say the, the early 90s, how do you feel like it's changed since the not not the start, but just since the early '90s and like the emergence of Bay Area artists and the independence? Like, has it changed or has it progressed or does it still feel like it's in the same state? I think it changed a lot. I, I think um, you had in the early '90s you had cats that started off independently, like Forty and Short, that were able to transition into major labels. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, like I said, you kind of had a lot of major label interests where a lot of cats got deals, but then a lot of cats also got dropped mm. or it just didn't work out. The the labels didn't know how to, to to package them and it forced them to go back into the underground and to be independent. I think a big hit uh, that the whole music industry took and the Bay Area was in the late 90s, early 2000s when the downloading, mm. the illegal downloading hit, the CD market dried up. People didn't really know you know, what to do with, mm. with, with the situation changing with music. And um, now we're in the internet era. Mm-hmm. And now um, there's been, there's a lot of Bay Area cats. There's a lot of young artists that are able to market themselves really well on the internet. But it's not quite the same understanding of how to get this money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like no, how, yeah. Something as simple as just... Monetizing. Monetizing and, and taking advantage of the soil. Like I said, you got San Jose, Frisco, Richmond. You got all these different cities. You can go city to city and get money, mm-hmm. not just on the internet. Yeah. And also the whole idea of like being a tycoon, mm-hmm. being like a Master P or like a 40 or a JT the bigger figure. I feel like that aspect is kind of lacking a little bit 
I mean, like the self-sufficiency. The self-sufficiency and the business tycoon, like that industry mind state of not just, all right, I'm going to rap and get some streams and get some shows. And like, nah, how am I going to build an independent empire? I I don't think there's too many cats thinking like that nowadays. Right, right. And just to segue into um, just the, the, the overall art of hip hop, you know, because you meant, you mentioned you're a graffiti artist and for the people that do follow you, you are, they know you're a phenomenal graffiti artist. Can you pinpoint uh, a moment in history where hip hop and graffiti intersected? You know, that's an interesting question because I was kind of raised under the impression that, you know, like they have the elements of hip hop, mm-hmm. breaking, DJing, rapping and graffiti. Mm-hmm. I actually learned not too long ago that that was actually kind of a concept that came after. It was kind of a marketing thing hmm. uh, around some of those movies that came out, like gotcha. Wild Style and Star Wars. They were like, oh, these kids are breakdancing. Oh, these kids are DJing. All right, let's just kind of all put it together under this hip-hop thing. But it kind of all makes sense anyway because graffiti and rap, it's just urban expression. Hmm. It's still, it's still, even it, it, you know, it's still pioneered by inner city black and mm-hmm. brown youth. That's who came up with this stuff. That yeah. it doesn't matter who you are today if you want to do it, but you got to understand the roots of who who started it. So I think um, in those terms, like we were just talking about KRS One earlier off camera. You mm-hmm. know, he, he was a writer. Mm-hmm. Fat Joe was a writer. There's yeah. a lot of cats that did, that dabbled in, in, in graffiti that. That took the approach to rap. Okay. Yeah. So when was your first, when was the first instance uh, or your first memory with graffiti or just even testing it out, seeing how your pen worked? When was your, when was your first instance? Uh, Going home at age 14 when my, I, I decided to become a writer um, one day when I was 14 years old and I picked, I bought a marker in first period for my boy. And then in homeroom, I ran into my boy, Mike Ill. And I showed him the marker, like, I'm about to start tagging. And mm. he was like, oh, me too. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go to my house after school. And then after school, we, like, went tagging all along, uh, all the way to his house. And then I got to his house, and he was a DJ. Mm. And he had Technic 1200s, and he had hella vinyl, and he was scratching. And he was dope. It was, like, ninth grade, 14 years old. So just even that friendship is what got you into... Yeah, it was a community thing, bro. Yeah. It was a community thing. It was a way to connect with, with people I met. I mean, some of my greatest friends to this day I met on a random, like, riding a bus and, and oh, you tag? Oh, yeah, I hit up too. All right, cool. Yeah. What you write? Like, yeah, that's it's it's always been, like, an organic community thing for okay. me. For yeah. sure. No, that, that's the, the, the beauty in it, in hip-hop, is the community. Right. That you, you can find, you can be a part of. Right. And even sometimes you can even lose the community and you can feel that impact of losing the community and just having a voice there, you know? Yeah. So that's like you touched on having that community and how you met somebody that kind of puts you in position. Yeah. I mean, you, you learn from your peers. Mm-hmm. We're all figuring this stuff out together. And um, it was this is all pre-internet, too. So it's not like we were going home and watching YouTube videos. Right. Like, how do you become a graffiti writer? Right. Like, we was going out there and learning and making mistakes along the way and just figuring it out. The and necessary then, mistakes. Necessary mistakes. And then you meet more and more people along the way that can kind of you learn from each other and just keep building that way right 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 okay Uh, we got another question uh from uzi spit from madera california he wants to know what era of graffiti did you enjoy more the five five ten years ago or 15 and that's san francisco or oakland um that's an interesting question uh i mean i was i grew up as a kid seeing the graffiti in the 90s it was on a different level than what you see today because I think people who were out in the 80s and 90s were pushing graffiti on a high level of art. Uh-huh. That was all pretty much all illegal at the time. But it was like people were basically doing illegal murals. Like you could look at the old school photos of like Silver Terrace Playground where like the whole walls are covered in elaborate pieces, like really technical stuff, characters, backgrounds. Um, my era was was dope in the early 2000s, but it seemed like, you know, the more time went by, the more gentrification went on. 
the more like tough on graffiti that the city got mm-hmm. in terms of the laws and in terms of painting over stuff really quick. It seemed like the artistic side kind of faded a little bit where cats were more into just straight up bombing and vandalism mm. and just tagging and, and hitting stuff up. But you know what? Uh, and then Oakland. That's a good point right there. Yeah, man. I think it has a lot to do with, with the city um, really trying to crack down and present this, this crispy, clean image. But, um, you know, I think like about 10 years ago, I saw Oakland like really explode. Mm. Because Oakland ain't got money for all that stuff. Yeah. They ain't got money to go around buffing. Mm-hmm. The cops got worse things to deal with than, yeah. than some taggers. So Oakland is like, it's just been exploding. There's so much graffiti. I've never seen anything like it. I think there's even more graffiti going on in Oakland than there was back in the day. And uh, even in the city right now, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting some of these kids. I'm talking middle schoolers. Mm. They're they're going out and they're getting up. And they got a different passion for it too. Yeah, they do. They're really passionate about it and they're interested but I'm hoping that somebody, some of these kids start coming out with that artistic side. Like, don't just get up, like, get up with style. Put up some of these pieces, put up some of these characters, and really make yourself stand out. You know, like, tagging is cool, like, bombing is cool. I'm down with all that. But I want to see people push the art because as a kid, I just saw the most inspiring stuff ever on the walls of San Francisco. Who would you say is probably your... Being a San Francisco native, who was probably your biggest artistic inspiration? I mean, even though he's from Oakland, it was Mike Dream hmm. because he died. Um, I think when I like right when I started doing graffiti. Wow! So he was already like a, an immortal legend, and it was just pretty clear to see like what he stood for in terms of uh, street consciousness. You know, being a Filipino cat that could connect with all different cultures and still push his heritage. The illest style, to me, he had the illest style that nobody else has been able to duplicate to Hmm. this day in the world. I really think, like, he's one of the top graffiti writers to ever live. And, and, um, yeah, even though, like I said, he was from Oakland, uh, he he always inspired me. He continues to inspire me. Right. And when it comes to graffiti, would you say originality trumps all or is it style style mm. it's skills man uh i mean there's a lot of cats who who get up in their own original way and they definitely stand out but when you see something that's technically executed well and painted i mean it's not easy to pick up a spray can yeah spray pan spray can and just create something yeah so when you see somebody that really knows how to use that tool and really put something dope down, that that's going to make you stick out forever. And graffiti is all about letters. At the end of the day, it's all about letter. Even if you're doing characters, even if you're doing symbols, it's like you, if you can just figure out how to do clean letters, you're always going to stick out in graffiti. Right, right. Okay. We got another question from Lo the Illis, Northern California. This is, a, this is always a crazy question to ask someone. Top five graffiti artists of all time. Man, I'm not a big fan of top five lists. Okay. <laughs> I'm really of any kind. That's why I always say it's a crazy yeah. question. But Loda Illis, we, we asked. I, yeah, I will answer you, brother. Where is he from again? Northern California. Northern California. All right. Top graffiti artist. So I just said Dream. Okay. In no particular order. Dream, Twist, uh, Don D, one of the original subway riders from New York. That's three. Uh, scene, scene actually created this right here. He's okay. another subway rider from New York, and uh, that's four, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, reminisce, reminisce, yes. Okay, just because he was the last one, what was it about reminisce that p- puts him in your top? Well, he was actually a sheep, so that's one thing that. Oh, she, yeah, she was one of the pioneering female graffiti artists. And she was also, even though I just said graffiti is all about letters, she was one of the first people to get up using a character, which is a horse. She painted wow. these white horses. And I even asked my mom about about that the other day. Like, you remember seeing horses around San Francisco? She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's what's up. So a lot of people that stuck out to a lot of people. And shout out to Reminisce. She's been tapping in with me on Instagram. I really appreciate that. I hope to bring her on the podcast one day. Okay, yeah. Shout out to Reminisce. Uh, we got another question from Bakari from Berkeley. He wants to know the thought, your thoughts on the influence of 4080 magazine in the Bay. And are they arguably the best magazine and media outlet from the Bay that covered Bay Area music and beyond? Well, 
to be honest, this is a little bit before my time. Do you know about 4080 Magazine? I don't. So 4080 Magazine was one of the first Bay Area, Northern California hip-hop magazines ever. They put out uh, compilations, hmm. and they were the first ones to give press and like cover photos to cats like uh, JT, the bigger figure, and Mac Dre. Um, I think Master P was even in there at some point. DEO's nodding his head, yes. Um, so they were highly influential. And, uh, you know, that's another interesting thing that's uh, like a, an era that's kind of gone now is the magazine era. Mm-hmm. Like the source. And, yeah. You know, Double XL is still around, but it's not what it used to yeah, be. Yeah, they even had like the Word Up magazine. and Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So Murder that Dog. Murder Dog, I was just gonna say Murder Dog was another one. That that was one I was more up on. Were you ever do you ever read Murder Dog? No. That's a crazy name, right? <laughs> <laughs> Murder Dog magazine, man. Yeah, shout out to Murder Dog though. They 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 um they kind of followed that same tradition. So 4080, I can't really speak too much on it because it wasn't like I was ever buying it off the shelf, but the fact that Bakari asked about it, the fact that I know enough about it. Yeah, it was it was, it was highly, prominent. Yeah, it was highly influential. If if the people from Forty Eighty Magazine are out there, uh, holla at me. I would love to get you on the podcast. One yeah, day. definitely. Shout out Forty Eighty Magazine. Um, we got another question from Mike from San Mateo. He said he's been in Hayward for fifteen years. So shout out to Mike from San Mateo. Um, he says. Can you touch on the San Francisco rave scene because it's so close to our rap history and graffiti? They all tie in together. Do you agree with that? You tell me. You was at the raves, or you had, you had the different color hair, you had the glow sticks, right back in the day. <laughs> nah, yeah, no, nah, nah, you good. I don't, I don't. I went to one rave, man. I ain't been back, bro. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I, I actually do think it was uh, uh, pretty closely connected because it was the idea of uh, a lot of raves went down in like kind of um, unusual locations or like uh, not your typical club or venue. And, and those are kind of spaces where hip hop had to exist as well. You had a lot of DJs that were DJing rave stuff as well as DJing hip hop. Um, and then... Of course, like we all know, the Thizzle era, um, that's something I, I associate a lot with raves. And then at the same time, um, during the early 2000s, the Hyphy era, the Mac Dre Thiz movement, those worlds kind of intersected. A lot of my partners used to get money at raves, just post it up with, with uh, getting Thizzles off. Um, there was also this crazy documentary, HBO documentary, about this dad who started going to raves with his kids. Did you ever see that? Nah. He started popping X and going to raves. And- Man, I got a kid and I'm not going to no damn rave. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forget what that documentary was called. It was on HBO back in the day, but he he went to a rave in San Francisco. Um, but you know, I, I, as somebody that like, I never went to raves like that. Uh, I do I do remember seeing flyers. I do have some some partners who was into that scene, but uh, I can't speak too much to that. But I, I I do think that he's right. I do think there there is some connection out there. I might just not be the best person to speak on it. Right, but you can you can attest to it. I just got to say, like, as I'm listening, bro, like I'm learning shit <laughs> that I know that they gonna learn, bro. Right. So you, like I said, bro, you the perfect person to even have this platform, bro, because the the history of the Bay stretches long and. Just the way you just go into your Rolodex, you know the races, you know the genders, you know the the areas that they were prominent in. Like that is so important. And I just have to ask, why? Why? Um, why is it so important? Why is history so important to you? Man, I appreciate that, man. Um, I'm glad it's already resonating that way because this is something like like I would have these types of conversations with with girls or my friends or something. They would be like, "You need to start like putting this stuff on social media," and, yeah. so, and I would just never really figure out how. But um, I mean, it's just like I grew up in it, and I was laced. I was laced like we laced each other. Hmm. My partners and I, we laced each other. We put each other up on different stuff, and it was like almost a competition of. Because it's not stuff that you could just go into Target and, and, and get. You mm. can't just crack open a book. This is all pre-internet stuff. Like, if you ain't knowing, you ain't going. Yeah. And so I, I had cats around me that their older brothers would be like, here, listen to this. Or like, 
You know, you would meet certain people. And I just grew I just grew up in it, man. Like before I knew what UNLV, the rap group, was, I saw it written on the walls in my neighborhood. Mm. And then I put two and two together yeah, years yeah. later, like, oh, that's what that UNLV thing meant. Like, so that's why it's important to me, because it's just it's really just my life, bro. Mm. And it's just something I'm interested in, something I'm really passionate about. And now I'm understanding like it's all about how to make a living off your passions, man. Mm. That's that's all I want to do. Yeah. So if I can share this with people and inspire them to do the same, then then cool. You yeah. Know? No, that that's beautiful, bro. Just because as I'm listening to you, you asking me like, have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of that? And I'm like, <laughs> nah. But you explaining it to me, and I'm like, now I do. Yeah. You know, so that we need people like you, bro. And just first and foremost, like, what would you say is like the most historical part of the bay uh that's a yeah open-ended vague question but i just feel like no i got you it could be something that we answer at a later date but i just feel like what is the what makes the bay the bay i think it's um the fact that it's always been a center of social change Mm. going back to the 60s and even before it's it's been a place where people can come and feel accepted, and we're, we're open to building with different cultures. Mm. We're not offended by people who are different than ourselves. There's literally everything, anything you could want is out here. Anything that you want to get into is out here. Any language, any type of culture you want to be around, you can find it in the Bay. And since it's such a closed uh, area, like we all found a way to coexist together. And, and and not only that, like a lot of these movements, like the Black Panthers and all these other things have been born out of the Bay Area. And, you know, we, we fight for these things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that has died. It's like something that past generations have fought for and current generations are still fighting for. So would you say there's not necessarily no history? Not no historical moment greater than the other. Because oh, you meant one moment? N- not necessarily, but just from your answer, it just sounds like everything played a part in who we are right now. Yeah, from man. From the social change, the like you know the social constructs to the the hip hop to the, the to the food to the the migration, you know, just everything that's happened in the Bay Area is the most important part. Yeah, you could probably even go back into the pre-Columbus. Indian times mm. and, and find an answer to that. Mm. I, I think so. I think the whole the whole way. Okay. When it comes to Bay Area culture, we can't leave out skating. Oh yeah. How impactful has the skating community been in the Bay Area, just from your lens? Um, uh, pretty heavily impactful, man. Uh, San Francisco was definitely a mecca for skate skateboarders. Um. I never skated personally, but uh, a lot of my partners did. Uh, I remember Pier 7 um, and the Embarcadero, you know, are like still to this day considered like really classic spots. <clears throat> but there are a lot of other skate spots like uh, Hubba Hideout. And um, now you have the skate park at uh, Petrero. And, um, you it's know, it's a new skate park. Uh, it's not new, but I think it was built like maybe 10 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um and graffiti and skateboarding go hand to hand. Skateboarding and hip hop go hand to hand. Like, um, you know, Selsky always talks about how a lot of the skaters, his music actually took off with skaters because they were using it in the skate videos. Mm. And the skate videos are kind of done and distributed like the independent rap is distributed. There's all independent underground, just some some cat with a camera filming his friends, putting it together, putting music and other stuff in there. And, and uh, I used to hang out with, with kids who who would watch those, and um, they were pretty dope. And and a lot of uh, you know you got FTC out here, you got Deluxe, you got a lot of uh, big those are skate brands, skate stores and brands. Yep, and they you know a lot of sponsored skaters are from the Bay Area. You know, got people like uh, Carl Watson and Javante uh, Turner and. A lot of famous uh, skaters, man, have come out of the Bay. A lot of people have come from around around the world to skate in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. The hills. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you see cats bombing the hills a lot of the time. So, um, you know, definitely uh, skating, hip-hop, graffiti, all these things are definitely intertwined. Mm. Um, is it true that Thrasher was started in yeah. the Bay Area? Yeah, I believe so. They have the warehouse mm-hmm. down there, I believe, by Bayshore. Okay. And, um, 
uh, uh, rest in peace to the founder of, uh, I'm forgetting his name, I'll have to go back to it, but I've I, I seen him around at the skate park here and there, a lot of my friends, or uh, uh, Phelps, Phelps okay. was, uh, uh, I forget his first name, but I believe he was the founder of Thrasher, a lot of my friends are uh, were, were, were friends with him, um, so yeah, Fra- Thrasher. Sorry, was it? Jake Phelps. Jake Phelps. Yep, yep, yep. Rest in peace to Jake Phelps. Yep, he was a real Frisco cat. Definitely seen him around here and there. So, yeah, it's, it's a Thrasher. Again, another thing we was talking earlier. We think everyone from the Bay thinks everything started here. A lot of stuff you did. A lot of people walk around with Thrasher on their hat or mm-hmm. on their shirt don't know that, yeah, it started out started here. in the Bay. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely uh, just impactful in itself. Just that's three different cultures we just named. Just hip-hop, graffiti, skateboarding you know as far as the cities go in the bay area do you feel like they all have their own specialty and if so what are they like when it comes to let's say the the biggest city san jose san francisco oakland vallejo um nah man i think they're i think it's all um it's all part of the culture Mm. i mean I guess graffiti is not as big in certain places like Vallejo or like uh, I don't know certain certain pockets just because of the the demographics. Mm-hmm. Like you know Frisco, there's a whole bus line you could go around hitting up bombing. Yeah, but Oakland graffiti, as I said earlier, that's off the chain. San Jose, a lot of cats get down there. Um, so, but I think pretty much no matter where you go in the Bay, you'll find somebody that does one of the things we just discussed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can't say if it's a specialty or not. Okay, okay. Uh, you got another question from Daniel P. from San Francisco. What hyphy rapper, and I'm assuming this, he's speaking about the era, mm-hmm. what hyphy rapper would you most want to roast a blunt with? Uh, well, I, don't, I haven't smoked weed for like a year, um, so... Man, if I was, I <laughs> he like, man, they're going to put me under the table. Yeah, man. <laughs> to, to keep it real, when I was smoking, I wasn't into sharing like that. I, I was rolling to the neck. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, if I just had the opportunity to chop it up with, and chill with anyone from that area, it would probably be Mac Dre. Okay. I was really going to ask you, this is a personal question. Um, how important is Mac Dre to Bay Area culture? Uh, he's, uh, he's everything, man. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Even to this day, there's kids who weren't alive during his time that like worship him Mm. and know how important he was. I think he, he was a one of a kind personality that can never be duplicated. He was the sauciest in the game. He was the flyest. He was the, he was the most original in terms of his style and, uh, the way he dressed or what, you know, everything, the way he rapped, the beats he was on. Um, and I think he went out uh, at the top of his game. He would have got bigger and bigger had he lived, but like he went out on top. Like the, he, you remember, like he took over the Bay Area. Nah, for real. Just in in his demise, it yeah. was like even for me, it was like yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I got to be transparent. Uh-huh. In his demise, he became more popular to my generation. Yeah. Just because we didn't even understand the lingo at I don't know how. When, when it was like oh seven, oh four, oh. I was tw- I was twelve. I'm aging myself, but it was just the fact that I didn't even understand what he was talking about, what he was going through until you really have to focus. Mm-hmm. And that's when someone you know passes away untimely, and you really just kind of got to do that research. So I was able to do that research after he passed, yeah. um, but I still was able to just in the essence of the Bay Area when everybody was hurting, everybody was just impacted. It was a Bittersweet moment. Yeah, I mean, it was it was bitter in the fact that he was gone and he never got to realize his full potential and just about to to break into that point. But it was sweet in the fact that it, it was undeniable. He was he, his death really made him even more legendary, I guess, um, in the way that that Biggie and Tupac mm. are, are immortalized forever. No, you know, for real. Now you got Nipsey and, and other and Draco, other people who are just. They're just immortal icons mm-hmm. after their passing. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Um, as far as just uh, the music goes, because ultimately you are you are an artist, you know, of, of many talents. Mm-hmm. But that that pen, when it comes to the music, you got an album coming though, right? Yes, sir. I do. Sucker repellent. Sucker repellent. What What was the recording process 
behind that? And is the is like the history of the Bay involved in that? Well, the history of the Bay is involved in like everything I do because I represent this culture in my music, mm. and I I rap with some of these dudes. So on the album, I got Spice One, I got Selsky, I got Ooh. Hustler. Okay, I got a Selsky beat, which is even crazier. Um, and it's just that's my vibe. A lot of times, people hear my music and they say, "Oh, this sounds like some old school," like, but in a good way. And that's just the vibe I'm on. And then I'm I'm definitely always rapping about graffiti. There's little graffiti references and all my work, my artwork for the album is always graffiti inspired. But that that album is just me getting in the lab with some dope beats and just knocking them out. And the concept kind of came together. I was listening to the songs and I was like, "Man, I'm talking a lot about haters and suckers on here." Mm. So it just kind of became like the idea of sucker repellent is like staying away from haters. Mm. Like, I don't want anything to do with you, man. Yeah. Like they say success is the best revenge. I ain't even thinking about revenge. I'm just thinking about the success part. Mm. I, don't, I just don't want anything to do with like sucker-like behavior. Yeah. And 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 um, a lot of times in my music, like to keep it real, some people know me as like a conscious rapper. I, I I don't necessarily run around with that title, but I still maintain that because I want to be a good example. Mm. And I want to just provide like a positive image for people of like, you know, oh, this is some fly stuff that I could look up to. But he's also not talking about something that's hella ignorant or hella fake or phony. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How how important is the substance? But the how important is the substance and how important is the balance too of being able to have fun? But also I want to get a message across and be taken serious. It's all balance. It's all balance because that was the, that's kind of why I shift away from that like moniker of a conscious rapper because the people I really want to reach, they're not going out and listening to like Public Enemy. Mm. They're listening to to Mac Dre and like but it's all game. Mm-hmm. So you can I can, I can rap some over a, a dope beat that slaps and say some fly shit and say some intelligent shit and have you bobbing your head to it and have you having fun and have it be something I can perform. But if you really break down what I'm saying, I'm saying something positive or I'm encouraging you to think or I might be throwing little jabs here and there at some of the, the powers that be or some of these these things that go on in the system. But I'm not just hitting people over the head with my message because I want it to be digestible. Hmm. You know what I mean? And how how important is the game? You feel me? You speak of the Bay Area and the game that that you've been laced with. So how important is it to you to lace your listeners? It's what we were talking about, man. That that's like the that's what the flavor of the Bay out here is like, and that knowledge, the hmm. value of knowledge of like, oh, you ain't heard about this. Because the more you know, the more power you have. Mm. So the more you understand how the music industry works, the more money you can get out of it. The more money you can get, the more you understand how to use your money, the more you can increase your chances of survival and help other people do the same thing. And uh, it's all it's, it's all game. Like, that's something I... Sh- and it's all life. Mm-hmm. It's the game of life. Like, when we say chestnut checkers, it's really about think about your next move and make your next move your best move. Don't just go jump around the, the, the board. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's something that's like a, also another heavy theme on the album and it ties it does tie back into this whole history of the Bay concept because I feel like in a way, uh, it's kind of what you asked me about earlier about the changes in the Bay. Some of this stuff has just been kind of like we've been losing our identity a mm-hmm. little bit. There might be a certain sound of the beats coming out of here and a certain style, but like in terms of like what makes a Bay Area rap cat a Bay Area rap cat is kind of losing that identity. Yeah, it's so, losing the sauce a little bit. Yeah, it's becoming a little cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. It's, there's like a lot of Detroit influence, which is dope. There's a lot of L.A. influence, which is dope. There's a lot of South influence, which is dope. But like, man, I feel like through this platform, I can influence some of these younger cats to go back to our roots a little more. And be prideful uh, of this history. Yeah. That's how you make me feel, bro. Like, just in this pilot episode, I just have to say, I'm sitting next to you. I'm not watching it on on a screen. So I feel your energy. And it just makes me even more prideful of just being a nigga from the Bay, being a nigga from the city, but also spending time in the East Bay because it's like, as a San Francisco native... I didn't appreciate the East Bay yeah. at one point. Yeah, yeah. Until I got older, and I'm just like, it's a lot of the same shit going on. Yeah, we just kind of blind to it if you've never, if you've never been there, if I you've agree. never spent time, yeah. if you never shook hands with nobody, if you never yeah. did business with nobody over there. Yep. It's kind of a, a foreign territory. But 
from what you're saying, it's like we are more alike than than we think. Yeah, and I think I feel like Earth is my turf now, yeah, man. Talk about I, it. I, I be in Hayward, I be in San Ho, I be in Richmond, I be in Sacramento, I be wiggling. It's like I was saying earlier, like if you're a rapper and you're not taking advantage mm-hmm. of all these different markets that are within a 20, 30 minute drive from you, you're tripping. Mm-hmm. Like get off the block, man. Go out there and shake hands and kiss babies, man. Go wiggle. Campaign, go, man. Go campaign, man. Yeah. For real, for real. Yeah. You got a date? Did you mention the name at all? Uh, Sucker Repellent, September 20th. Talk about it. September 20th, a release party. Uh, more details to be announced October 7th at Public Works in San Francisco. Okay. Sucker Repellent is going down. For sure. So, before we wrap up, what do you want the viewers to take away from not only this pilot episode, but from Dregs 1? Um, I think just, man, just stay tuned, bro. Like, this is the type of stuff that we're going to be discussing on a regular basis. I think um, it's a good uh, time to announce that my first guest ever on the show will be Black C of RBL Posse. I got Conscious Daughters, CMG of Conscious Daughters coming in. I got a whole list of people that are going to be coming on here having conversations just like this. So be prepared to learn, educate yourself, get some game, be entertained. Here's some stories. Here's some stuff that you might not hear anywhere else. Or if you already know about it, you're not going to hear anybody else speaking on it. And hopefully you relate to that. Like like people have been saying with my content, man, it's either going to bring you back to the stuff that you had experienced or it's going to put you on to a brand new experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for we ain't sure. got no, no time. We got a little more time. We got a couple more questions. Hey, hey, come on, man. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, let's look at uh, what do you say? We got we got Justin Alca, Al, Justin from Alcatraz. You from Alcatraz, Justin? Shout out to you. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would talk about any experiences you had on the punk hardcore scene. And its involvement with Bay Area graffiti. Yeah, I bet you didn't know I was in a punk band. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> you had to play the drums. Nah, um, it's kind of similar to the rave scene. Um, like, there is a mix. Punk rock, I do I do listen to some punk rock. Like, not a lot, mm-hmm. but I listen to a lot of rock and, and some punk some punk bands. Like, uh, like, old school Black Flag and stuff like that. But, um... Punk is independent as well. Mm. They put out zines. They they put out their own album covers. They throw their own shows. Uh, they're kind of another. That's kind of another genre of music that wasn't accepted by the mainstream. People couldn't understand it, so they had to perform wherever they could. And hip hop started out similar. Uh, I was actually sitting down with Andre Nicotino one day, and he was telling me how a lot of his early shows in the early '90s were at. the the punk rock clubs mm. that was the only place that would have them yeah. and it would be kind of a crazy crowd and then you, you know there's certain uh, people who are kind of mixed into both uh, here and there like just on the, just it's all independent music yeah and uh, I think hip hop and punk rock period not just in the Bay have a, a strong relationship because they're kind of they kind of came around in a similar time mm-hmm. in the mid 70s like a similar hustle you would think yeah independent is like not some stuff that's you know some guy screaming and smashing on the guitar on the radio like that's not compared to like the disco era they yeah. wasn't about to play that you right know what i mean so they had to get it by any means and they had to they had to hustle independently right um so i think it is pretty similar okay uh another question we had we got byron from the excelsior nine four one one two he says i would like a word or two on joe over at the now closed music emporium on Ocean Ave and Mission Street. See, I'm glad we got to this. Rest in peace, Joe. Did you ever go to Creative Music Emporium? I feel like I've been there. Yeah, so right there on Ocean and Mission. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't know how I found out about this store. I don't know if it's just because I drove by. I might have seen it. I remember reading about it. And you remember Youth Outlook magazine? Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember they had... they were. It was either a feature on the store itself or it was like a write-up on the Mac Dre Al Boo album. And they said it's available at Creative Music Emporium. Mm. So I said, man, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to check it out. And I went after school one day and it was like, that was like a paradise, bro. Mm. They they had 
all different genres of music, but on the walls they had like original Ice T posters, like signed Kugnut, mm. Nicotina, like press photos. And they had a section of hip hop that was almost exclusively Bay Area hip hop. Mm. And he had everything, bro. He had everything, like all original pressings, like rare albums, man. I bought Young Ed Time to Stack there. I bought Mac Dre, What's Really Going On. I still have that CD, never opened it because I knew it was going to be valuable mm. one day. And Joe was like an expert and he knew and he dealt with all these people personally and he helped them. He gave them a shot to get their music on the shelves and he really loved music. He would be playing like jazz in there usually, but um, he was really knowledgeable. I could go ask him about any Barry artist and he would know. And they were a little more expensive because it was a smaller operation, but I would try to go in there on the regular. And he actually gave me a break uh, with my crew, Gas Mask Colony, when we put out our CD. He was very skeptical. He doesn't do consignments. He usually only buys CDs, but he's like, oh, I'll give you a consignment, which is basically you don't make any money until the store sells out. Mm. So they hold your, they hold on to your CD, and then if it sells out all the CDs, then they give you the money. If you don't sell out, then that's the end of that. Right. So I'm like, all right, bet, consignment, cool. We went and spread the word, and instantly we sold out. Mm. All the people went there, and that's when he really was like, "Okay, y'all, y'all doing it, all right." And he bought the next, the next batch he bought. So, rest in peace, Joe. Um, sad to hear he passed away. The store closed. Um, I would give anything to be able to go back to creative music, man. Man. That was, a really, that was over on Mission and Ocean. Mission and Ocean, man. And that's like when you ask about where I get all this knowledge from, it's because I went to places like that. I I bought, I dug in those aisles. I pulled open the CDs. I read the credits. And it's places like that that allowed me to connect with this culture like this, man. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I got a, I got a personal question. Just yeah. all of this wealth of Bay Area knowledge. What was your first Bay Area show? Like, that I went to? That you went to willingly. Oh, man. That is a really good question. Oh, dude. It was like this, it was like a cannabis festival, bro. Before they had cannabis festivals. (laughs) This was like a big deal. Like, nowadays, like, yeah, it's a weed festival. Okay, yeah, cool. Dispensaries. This was like a smoke out in front of City Hall, bro. What? Yes. You know, like the Civic Center yeah. lawn, like yes. it was right there. And I don't know, it was like back in the day you would hear about stuff like, bro, there's a weed party, blood. Like, <laughs> well, ain't no weed party. Like, bro, I'm telling you, Civic Center, let's go. Went down there hella young. You know, I'm I'm going for the weed. I'm yeah. like, man, we're about to get hella hard, <laughs> Get down there, it was like, whoa, like you smelt it. They were having like a legalized weed rally. Um, Lolo Swift, if people know who Lolo Swift is from Vallejo, she used to rap with Dre Dog back in the day. She performed. I seen Selsky walking around with the McDonald's All American jersey and then out CDs. That's classic right yeah. there, bro. Yeah, and there was a lot of other, there was like some cats that I, I don't remember who they were, but they were performing. Um, this was an era where like I was. I was down to discover new artists. Mm. If you had a CD, if you looked apart, you know, you could you could get your CD off. Yeah. And, uh, you had you had to be outside, you had to be there. Yeah. You actually had to put the energy into researching and yes. searching for new artists. Yes. They was, just fall in your lap. And if no. they did, you actually met the person sometimes. It was like that. Like yeah. I said, Selsky was there handing out CDs, man. Like that that's I was like 16 years old or something, 15 years old. And I never, I don't know who threw that weed event mm-hmm. or whatever happened by to City it. Hall though, in front of City Hall, bro. This was unheard of at yeah. the time. So I was, I'm glad you asked about that because yeah. I think that that's the first one experience I can really think of. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's beautiful, bro. Um, you got any got anything else? Maybe on another episode, I'll tell the story of when JT the Bigger Figure brought Gucci Mane to hey. the Opera House on Third Street and had an open mic for all the youth. Maybe. You might need a whole episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> we got time. Where we at with the time? We got time for one more question. Or should we wrap it up? Let's get like one or two more. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. I just want to. I appreciate everybody who tapped in and has been showing support. So I want to make sure I get to as many of these as we can. 
and uh, <clears throat> the others we'll we'll get to in in later episodes. So we've we've touched on uh, the the artists uh, Mac Dre and Andre Nicotina, um, but Jerry from Fresno, shout out Jerry from Fresno, he wants to know <coughs> why Brother Lynch isn't more popular or mainstream. Um, so there's a, there's a conception in the Bay Area that like um, it's it just a hip hop period. If you're not signed to a major label, you're not platinum, you're not successful. A lot of a lot of cats in the Bay didn't want to get signed mm. because they were getting hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars independently. And the idea was, what would I need a label for? Yeah, I'm basically essentially giving stuff away. Um, yeah, I'm, why should I give you a piece of this? I, even though I'm not known in all these other markets, I'm, I'm doing the big out here. I can't say if that was Brother Lynch's situation specifically or Mac Dre or Nicotina, but... Um, I will say for Brother Lynch, I mean, I think he he was on an independent label called Black Market Records out of Sacramento, and I think he uh, I've heard him tell the story that they just did bad business, so that might have uh, hurt his career. Hmm. Even though his first album was like I believe it's now platinum, it was gold back in the days. But if you think about it, that's that dude talks about like eating babies and stuff, so that's probably not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, he he was signed to Strange Music. Yeah, Tech Nine? yeah, 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 yeah. Damn, that I was know that. a lot later. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that was also like a big at the look. End of his career, he was signed to Strange Music. Yeah, damn. But I don't, I don't think he's like, I don't think you're gonna see him at the Kids Choice Awards anytime soon, or like, you know, it's not really a mainstream act. Yeah, it's man. not even where he want to be. No, nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But before, before we, uh, you know, wrap up, I just want to say, bro, like, I, this is gonna. Be a phenomenal, bro. Right on, man. You got a wealth of knowledge, and you ain't pulled your phone out one time, bro. To it's look off. at to phone anything. Is off. He ain't Google. <laughs> he ain't Google none of this shit. So just that in itself is a skill to retain all of this information and to make it digestible. Not just for me, but for the people that will view this. Um, it's just. It's gonna be amazing, bro. Thanks, bro. I'm, I'm glad. Thinking, I'm thinking big. I see the vision. You That's feel me? Up. I've been seeing the vision, but like just being here and listening, it's like. All right, you you got it. No, that's what's up, man. I'm glad I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you jumped on this pilot episode. The team is in place. I feel like everybody is in a position where we can all win and we can all eat off this. And most importantly, is that you, the viewer, are gonna get something that is gonna enrich your lifestyle and give you something to view and something to entertain you and something to educate you. And I'm honored, man. We heard from people from all over, yeah. right? like Fresno and all over the Bay Area. Alcatraz. Over, Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> so man, I'm I'm looking forward to just reaching even more people and um seeing where this goes. So I guess we should sign off. Next week I'll be back with RBL Posse. The week after that, Conscious Daughters. There's so many more guests to be announced. Sucker Repellent album, uh September 20th, release party October 7th. Tap in more content coming daily on social media. Thanks to Amoeba Music, San Francisco. Thanks to DEO, Official Business, King Said, MVP Productions, Whitney, Skino, Dregs One. And this has been the History of the Bay.